0: There are no Jem'Hadar women. The white is the only thing we need. Jem'Hadar are bred in birthing chambers. He has the look of a warrior, but the heart of a coward.
1: It is not for us to accuse a god of betraying heaven.
2: That's right. It is not for us, but it is for us here on Live Long and Podcast. I'm your host of this episode of Deep 10 and 9 ish, Jeff Mater. As always, my brother Dave Mater. Bring him on in. Dave, how are you? I'm well. I'm ready to. Victory is life. That's all I know about, Jeff. Or is it a reckless credo? We also have cousin Davin. Yep. Davin, how are you?
0: Victory is life. That's true. Yep. Uh, And I'm very much alive, and I plan on staying that way. Well,
2: see, I, you know, I'm glad you value life the way the rest of the Federation does, because these Jem'Hadar are reckless, and we're going to talk about it here on season four, episode twenty-three. We're getting toward the end of the season. This one's called "To the Death," and it's all about wharf killing people, mainly Jem'Hadar, and. (laughs) <laughs> uh the, <laughs> it's well it's not really about that but it's we get to see a lot of it and we also get to see a lot of the dynamics between the Jem'Hadar, the vorta uh and the federation because at the beginning of this episode we have um well we have warf very angry that bashir is in his seat and uh at the same time they have to go up to the bridge and they see, see a whole pylon has been destroyed of the d 69 9 station because it had been sabotaged on some sort of terrorist attack. Uh, And then they come to find out... Seat. Right, that's Wharf (laughs) Seat. And then they come to find out that the Jem'Hadar had done a sneak attack on their station. Dave? Yes. Is this... It took them forever to get to this. You know, they really teased the Jem'Hadar at the end of Season 3. Do you think they just kind of really wanted to flesh out what they were going to do with this Jem'Hadar, and that's why it took this long for us to get this episode?
1: Well, I think there's a few things they had to set up, Um, because if anything DSpace9 did well is kind of uh, spinning a bunch of plates simultaneously, because there's the stuff with, like, Kai Winn and Bejor and Shakar and all that kind of stuff, but then you got, like, the Maquis lo- storyline and Eddington and everything going on over there. And then you have the stuff with the prophets and then you have the stuff with the Dominion War. And then um, like all these things. uh, And then like, you know, the Ferengi stories. So all of these things are overlapping really well. Um, And, uh, you know, the, the fact that Worf joined the cast this season that, you know, that led to a few more episodes where they needed to focus on that. Not to mention like the whole Klingon arc that's going on with like, you know, and it's all interconnected, but I think it took, I think they had to like sort a bunch of things out before they got to this i think that they knew they wanted to get to the war more in season five so they didn't have to build it up that much uh we know the Dominion's bad and we know that they're a threat and uh uh i think that they were also maybe looking for somebody to be the face of the Dominion someone to be like the antagonist of the Dominion and i think weoon shows up in this episode and uh you know it it does it really well but uh yeah the big stakes here they blow up an upper pylon jeff
2: yeah big stakes and i think you're right they're doing even in this episode i think they're spending a lot of plates simultaneously and doing quite well at a davin uh question for you uh do you think that this whole idea that like yeah the dominion has a lot of their own internal problems and that, that gives them a lot of like real weight to their uh you know their whole species i find like most species in star trek are kind of one note and they're, like almost stereotypical a lot of the times what i like about the dominion is like even though they have that element where like victory is life and loyalty and all this stuff at the same time they they will turn on each other they will like there's this great militaristic dynamic with the dominion that i think this episode sets up really well what, what do you think
0: yeah um this episode really adds a lot to the Jemadar. I feel like, and my two favorite Jemadar characters are in this, Umeticlon and Varakara. they pretty cool. Um, so, but
1: Umeticlon. Clan,
0: Umeti versus Umeti yeah, yeah. This the, this is, this actor and the guy he... who talks to Dax, Varakara. He's he's Varak, really
1: funny. Uh, the guy. Yeah. Where the guy who's just like, this how guy? old are you? No, that's no,
2: Tomon Tarax. No, that's the guy not who, him.
0: That's the guy who gets into Yeah, no, that dwarf, guy's a dude.
1: Right. This guy.
0: Yeah, him. He's awesome.
1: He's the one up. He's the one who's like. He was the one I was playing a lot of clips of because he's the one talking to Dax. You know. Yeah, he's hilarious. There are
0: no like Jem Jem funny Hadar. But see, that's another thing. So he is one of the things I really like about this episode because he shows that uh, the Hadar aren't the, just these one-note clones. You know, they all have very different personalities, which we've sort of seen in a couple episodes in the past. But you really get that a lot. Like he's sort of like the funny Gemhadar. Metaclone is like the loyal. Um, The loyalty Jem'Hadar guy which they all sort of are I guess but then there's like the one from the prison episode he's sort of like the uh, warrior's honor sort of Jem'Hadar and they sort of have their different sort of personality quirks and it's like you were saying about the um, the strife within the Dominion which is interesting but it also when um, Varakara says that none of them live to be 20 because you sort of get the impression that the, in the Gamma Quadrant, they've just been running things for two thousand years, and they're pretty much uncontested in stuff. That's at least that's the impression you get with some of the planets that even like the Federation runs into in the Gamma Quadrant. They're all just like, yeah, we just kind of do what they say and whatever. But that can't be the case because where are all these Jim are dying that they can't reach the age of like fifteen? Even you know, so well, they're clearly contested all the time somewhere
2: they're definitely contested but uh i think they're still the dominant force but at the same time i think it what this episode speaks to is what you guys kind of mentioned earlier is like o'brien's like i very much intend to survive and the gem hadar will you know we have the whole scene where they do the uh the you know the training of setting up the device and waiting for the third gem hadar we have that whole scene and we get the the philosophy uh philosophy difference a uh, philosophic difference between uh, the federation and the jemadar that the the federation is way more interested in self-preservation and the jemadar are more way more interested in accomplishing missions regardless of their their the value of what they think life is they don't value
0: it you want us to blow the place up while we're still in it
2: and i think he says to him right after that like you're, you're you know your value of life is cute or something to that effect like that's adorable <laughs> yeah you know?
1: right but like i could you could imagine like a klingon even saying that though right
0: well no they they, they like to live i mean they want to they, drive, like, they to, like to live.
1: but like i don't know the federation is a little bit more like even compared to some of the other alpha quadrant powers um a little bit more uh you know concerned with preserving life that all life matters like they don't have capital punishment things like that all the rest of them do um that you know that soldiers um in some of these societies would be more cannon fodder than in others like in the in, you know in, in the federation society every life is important so they're going to be diametrically opposed do the bajorans uh, have capital punishment? uh i think I for uh, I, I not
0: th- if they applying for Federation membership
1: I think for if they're war criminals they can if they're like Cardassian war criminals uh they they did mention that I think in a previous episode
0: right but then once they go Federation mm. it
1: might be different
2: um okay mm. um yeah so like uh davin you brought up a good thing here or maybe it was Dave that like yeah, we get the first introduction of Wayoon here I'll take credit and, for it yeah you take credit for it um <laughs> and so davin wayoon in this episode um this is
0: Wayoon so four right?
1: Wayun four. We never got
2: to meet one, two, three. Yeah. yeah. No. I wonder if they were more loyal than him. Or what's I don't know. What do you make of this Wayun? I kind of find that I he's a lot more emotional than the rest of the Wayoons we'll get later on.
0: A little bit more emotional, I agree, but it made me realize that he's sort of the worst of the Vorta that we see at his job. Like he's very he's fun to watch and he's got a great personality, and I'm sure he's good at some things. But the most, the, the other ones we see always just keep it cool. But just he does lose his sometimes. He snaps a lot. And he does that <laughs> later. Like, even the later waves are always snapping at Damar or Ducat. Like, he, he seems to be the most irritable Vorta, yet somehow he's the most trusted by at least that female founder. So it's yeah, interesting.
2: Di- yeah, Dave. Do what do you make of that? Like, do you think it's just that he's only in his fourth iteration of programming, and they haven't figured out how to make him the most loyal?
1: Well, I think he's loyal. He's like devout towards the Dominion, right? And he's he's like this amazingly like complex character. The way he's written, the way that Jeffrey Combs plays him. I think that they figured that this was just a one-off. I don't think they knew it. they they knew anything about the clones yet or anything. So they they weren't planning to bring him back. So he thought this was a one-off. And um and we've only met what one other Vorta at this point? Yeah, the female Vorta. The one that was like pretending in like uh, way back in season 2, right? Um and so he's great because he's like so disarming. He you know, you know that this guy is dangerous, but on the other hand, he always is like I am here to serve, and I, you honor me with your presence. And he acts like such a, like a, like a like a salesman, you know. What would
0: you say? So then he'll just come out and say something. If like, what if I did make you complete absolute complete ruler 30? of the Federation? You know? Right,
2: and there's a bunch of things he kind of does in this, like where like just the, the right when they show up, he shows up when they beam them over to the ship. He's behind all the gemadar and then he kind of has to like go through them all. You know, right? To and then you see, like they are all they don't respect him. You know, they're really just right from the beginning. Like there's a lot of times we'll see later where the Javadar are a lot more uh, subservient to the Vorta, but the, in this case, they—they they do not like him right off the bat. Uh, and we I don't see an example things. where any of the Vorta are liked. Well, they—they don't need to be liked to be like, um, you know, the the. It, the Jem'Hadar seem to respect the rank uh in other episodes, but in this episode they don't.
1: That is the order of things. He is the Vorta. I am the diplomatic. Jem'Hadar, you know. So, so, so some of the Jemhadar are more obedient, I guess, you know, for a less less uh adversarial, less questioning of their reality or their nature or whatever else, like they're like no, like uh, whereas other, the the Geminar are, are a diverse species, like Davin was mentioning earlier. Like they there are some of them that are different, and which is kind of odd that the, the the founders made them that way. Um, that they're not more sort of uniform in their personality or the way they think or anything like that, but they are the way they are. And the Vorda are like this uh, even more contemptuous group because they're so. I don't know they they also look at the the founders as gods but they're more complicit like they're 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 they're, they're basically enslaving these gemhadar and the and the vorta are like we see that directly in like how he hands out the vials of white um which we hadn't seen before really like this is the first time we'll we'll see that and like you know here's this gift may it make you strong
2: blah 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 I've always kind of looked at like the the vorta as like kind of like the preachers the Jemadar are the patrons the the you know the the uh what country all white is kind of like communion like i i feel like there's something to be like a comparison to be made there that there's this religious overtone they call them gods there's there's all these things that i kind of start thinking about religious metaphors every time i kind of watch an episode Devon, is that is that something that would be brought up on the of trek
0: yeah, I don't think we brought that up in our religion episode, actually. That's a good point. I like that. We're going to revisit most of our topics at some point anyway, so we'll get to that. But yeah, I like that. No, but we would talk about something like that. Dave would talk about that for 25 minutes, and I'd cut him off with a pun. <laughs> <laughs> Um,
2: No, I think there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, onion to be peeled back there uh, with that metaphor, because I, I think you see a lot of those... Uh, indoctrinizations you see a lot of like this is this is the way this is the way it is you know we don't question it um but then but others do but others do and then you kind of get this fractioning off which also happened kind of you can kind of compare it with the Catholic Church and then Protestant um Protestantism well, J- Jeremy's also pointing out here that the Vorta seem to have a disdain
1: for the Jemadar. Pointing out that's weird, but it seems like they all do. Like all, like the three principal species of the Dominion: the Founders, the uh, the Changelings, whatever you want to call them, the yeah. the Vorta, and the Jemadar. Like they, well, I guess they all love the Founders, but like uh, they, they all seem to dislike each other. They mostly right, <laughs> uh, and
2: they're programmed. Which you think that the you know the Changelings or the the Founders would have programmed. Them to like each other and to be allies, and to you know, seem, well, seems
0: even ca- the the thing with the Divian out the white like, who even points it out? They're like, You like that, don't you? Like, said to Wahoon, but you can tell the Gem I don't like that whole thing where they bring him, the, they have to kind of beg for the white, you know? He's just like, oh, yeah, You'll they, wait they, they, till they, they, I'm done eating my stick or whatever he was eating. <laughs> they're just like, Right, just, just, but, right, but, but like, you can see where the animosity is coming from, they, they foment it
2: yeah and the other metaphor we'll that you can ma- that. you can make with the white is that the white also kind of represents um you know like a drug almost like literally like almost like you know your heroin 100%. fix it you know like so it's kind of like i feel like um a weird mix of those two things uh which is you know yeah it- insidious in a lot of ways of what the vorta you know they have the little case and only he can open it and like you know all the different things that uh, there's a hierarchical system set up between them. And yeah, you're right. You can tell the Jem'Hadar don't like it. They the, the jemadar also like we have that whole scene where Cisco uh, stops the turbo lift and he finds out about the gateway. And it's like, he doesn't matter how we knew, We just know. And you can see that wayun is upset. The fact that they found that out, he's supposed to be intelligence is basically his life Wayun And the Jem'Hadar are able to find out things. They're supposed to be dumb little children in his mind.
1: Right. Well, yeah, like that—that that, that is the order of things. But the the, the are a sentient race and can sort of figure out things. And uh, as we see that they're diverse. That so you get two versions of here. You get six of them who are loyal to the Dominion, and then this whole garrison of like 150 or 160 of them that are go- are rebelling against the Dominion. Um, you know, and and like Jeremy's pointing out here, that maybe the Changelings encourage the competition. Maybe they don't want these Gemedar to get along with these Vorta maybe that if they did maybe they would overthrow the, the founders even and that that's no good for the for business
2: you know? yeah that there could there definitely could be some truth to that uh I think because uh the the, the changelings seem to be a divide and conquer type of people like they seem like they like to kind of get everyone not focused on them I think there's some truth to what you just said there Dave because they like to live on a planet that's tucked away in a far reach you know f- far part of the galaxy that nobody can really get to and they like it that way they don't want to be found and and they, they i think you're right it's also they don't want their underlings to turn on them so there needs to be fighting amongst even it's got to be like are.
1: this this conflict so th- this is by design even though even if they was there was the most benevolent vorta ever he would not uh have that he would not he would not Get along with the jem they don't want them to
2: all right joining us jameel robinson uh wearing his red death shirt that's appropriate since we're talking about to the death here on d states nine at ish jameel how are you i'm all right and yourself we're good we're good we're talking all about the jem the federation and the vorta and what it all means and how it relates to Space nine at Nine-ish, and. ish All the different kind of uh, themes and, uh, you know, ideas that are brought up in this episode. What did you take out of this episode, Jamil? Uh, This is a great episode in the sense that as we're heading for a rising conflict between the Jem'Hadar and the Federation um, to better understand who they're facing. Like, this is an episode where it really does a great job in showing how scary the Jem'Hadar are. How they're like, just a force of nature doesn't sleep doesn't eat, don't sing songs about their victories and drink. You know no, no pleasure. No pleasure. Just a singular focus, which is just to accomplish, destroy. It's 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 an important episode, I think, because if the Jim remain a mystery, then there isn't that that sense of like impending danger of who you're facing. Right, and you know who it is, like we know what the board can do, right? And that's always like when you see someone get assimilated, you know, like you know what's happening. When you see the Jim Hadar turning that corner, now after this episode, you know what's gonna happen.
0: What is the point of doing battle if you cannot enjoy the fruits of your victory?
2: And t- spoken like a true Klingon mangos. Right, but no, Geminar would say that the point is victory is life, and I want to be a winner, victory not a loser. Is life? Victory right.
0: is, is life. life. Um. Okay. The most important thing about that is how they started. I am dead. You know, they yeah. just. Think, you know,
1: I am first a clad and I am dead. Yes. Uh,
0: I am dead.
2: Well, yeah, like they already kind of they they don't value their life. That's brought up quite of. But then at the same time, like the scene I kind of want to get to is the scene where, uh, you know, we have the whole uh, moment with ToMan Torax, where he grabs um, O'Brien's shoulder saying, hey, buddy, like, I want to go now. And he's like, well, I'm not finished drinking my coffee and laughing with my friends. Leave me alone. And, uh, you know, then Worf all of a sudden gets up and hits ToMan Torax in the face. And he says, "That's enough. You're not going to touch my friend O'Brien. I've served with him for several years. He used to transport me to the surface. Uh, So I can't." They
1: they had like the whole conflict earlier in the episode too, right, Jeff? Where like they were getting the briefing after they agreed to work together, and 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 this guy, he was like the one he was antagonizing Worf right from the second he saw him, right? You know, he was like, "It's a Klingon. I go. I've always wanted to kill a Klingon." And uh, and, he, and he keeps, he, he's what does he say to him? He says, um,
0: One day, the Klingon Empire will fall before the Jem'Hadar. And when that day comes and piles of Klingons lie dead at my feet, I will think of you standing here impotent and weak, and I <laughs> will laugh. All right. how, much, how much did he hate Worf, though? Like, he got himself killed, and he knew that would happen just to pick a fight with Worf. Like even if he but, won the fight, he was probably still gonna die.
2: But isn't that like a contradiction? <laughs> though? Serious like, hatred. Like contradiction of like such a self-serving type of yes, like thought process, which is very unlike of what we're being told that the Jem Hadar, you know, their focus is. And that's a great point, Shabil, because I do think that with the Jem Hadar here. That like and Davin brought it up earlier, they have multiple different personalities based on like, yeah, who it is. And you know, it's they're not a, a uniform species. Like, like they kind of the, they're they're fronted to be. Like that's their doctrine, that's what they believe in, or that's what they say they believe in. But that's not necessarily true for every one of them. I think there's a lot that's just kind of what what they know and like what they must they think they must do. But I think if if you gave one of them a paintbrush, they would paint a pretty little butterfly. You know, I think there's, there's that's in them. They just don't know it. Dave, does that make sense?
1: <laughs> I don't think that's accurate. I don't oh. like as we saw with the um the Jem'Handar child that uh, they found. Like what was that season two or I guess it was season three, um that that happened where Odo was trying to raise him and he like they they couldn't even take care of him right like like they're like you can fight against your nature you can kill holodeck or whatever it didn't work. Now, maybe his particular personality just wouldn't go. Right. Um, uh, but I think majority of these Gemadar are just like they they're bred, their genetic engineering is that that of fighting. Um, we only only the one we saw was the one uh in that episode with Bashir and O'Brien, the one who had been freed, who, who was born without the addiction to the white. He was the only one that was kind of truly lucid and was able to kind of come up with his own philosophies and change the way he thought about things. But even he like he doesn't go with Bashir at the end. He's like, no, I have to stay here and be with my men and kill my men for betraying them. And so, like their their code and the way that they are is is just it's embedded in them. Even even him, right, who was kind of like less less of a, a, a of a subject to his his engineering, maybe, uh, wasn't addicted to this white. Uh, you know, I think that they're, they're kind of this incredible species in some ways because he's like, we we can come out in three days and we're ready to fight. You know, and like they're able to learn all this stuff. Like they're able to learn how to use like a warp drive in like three days Uh, and like not just fire guns and kill people. Like they're able to do complex things. Um, Right. But they
2: don't all have to seem to have the same um, philosophy when it comes to combat or, or, or order and obedience. Like in this episode, you see like, you know, the first is kind of trying to keep them all in line, even though one of them wants to antagonize Worf. And then we have the other guy that is like chatting with dax and trying to learn all about dax and like how old are you what the hell is this and we don't like in telling dax um all about you know the fact there are no Jemadar women and like you know so there is a difference they're not all the same you know like even though they're genetically programmed to be the same they're not uh yeah, there is uh i think based on their lived experiences plus i think innate personalities i think it, it shows you that the Jemadar definitely has um there's room to grow regardless of their addiction to the cell white regardless of uh the fact that they're genetically programmed that way i think there's there's something there there's a spark there that can can be changed uh, davin does that does, does that is that line of thinking um line up in any way in this episode I can't hear him. Yeah, Um, muted. Are you muted?
0: All right, Jamil. (laughs) Okay. The white is the only thing we need. So,
2: yes, there's a lot of things. So, I agree with Dave and I agree with you. Yeah. Like, human beings, um, when you strip everyone down, there's basic instincts that we all follow in terms of. You know, our our need for food and our, our societal bonds. That if we're stripped away in terms of our intelligence and our, our schooling yeah. and stuff, we will still group together. We will still copulate and um, expand, right? In terms of our, our 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 unit, our group. That's our our base instincts, right? So, same thing with the chameleons. They have their base in the instincts, right? Which has been It's highly sophisticated, as we've seen. But at the same time, there are variants in that, right? There are variants in humans, right? Despite our uh, base instincts, there's things that we are able to do, and our society Mm -hmm. facilitates that type of thought process. So you'll have the occasional individual who will take it upon himself to antagonize the Klingons and uh, disobey a direct order from their first... uh, or an individual who knows not supposed to talk and be curious and inquisitive, right, Which is more of a human trait that we see in, in Star Trek. Uh, we're seeing two examples of it, but those are the only two examples. Well, do you think out of okay. a large amount of Jemhadar that we've seen so far? Is there so, some is there something to be said, Jamil, about like okay? They say like there's the left side of your brain and the right side of your brain, okay? And the right side of your brain is like the pure creativity, uh, you know, constructive type idea, and then the left side of your brain is way more logical. Are they just pure left side of your brain? They're like logical. This is you don't value life; you get the job done. Like, are they are they more logical than the Vulcans, Dave? I think I'm back. Am I back? Okay, Davin. Are they are the Jem'Hadar more v- more logical than
0: the Vulcans. More logical, no. Yes, yeah, at good. least not the guys I was gonna say, oh, no, if I, was. yeah, like,
1: like, no, yeah, like,
0: no. I'm gonna have to say no, no. Their whole thing is not so much logic as loyalty and hierarchy. Those are their two the way of things. That's things. what they always
1: say. It is the way of things. Way it of is practice. the way of things. Right, but in but faith, like, like
0: they're they program that deep kind of religious. Aspect into the Vorta and the Gemini. Fanaticism. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: They're fanatics. They're yep. fanatics. Okay. All Creativity. All right. You saw it, you saw it in the example, the holodeck simulation, right? He threw a curveball at the team. Mm. If they were just straightforward logical beings, they wouldn't necessarily do something like that. That wasn't a logic um right. problem. That was um that was a problem he knew to get a specific reaction from them. That was creativity to think about that. That's true. That's true. They are uh, military, uh, military, militaristically, sorry. Uh, they definitely are more creative uh, uh, in those aspects. Okay, so the scene I really want to get to, Dave, maybe you can help me here, because this is the scene that kind of floored me, um, was the fact that, uh, you know, the fight happens between Worf and Toma and Torax, mm-hmm. and the first and Cisco come in to break it up. Yep. And they say, "Who did this?" And Warf goes, "I did." Who started and, this? Who yeah. start? Yeah. And then the Torax goes, "And I, it was I as well." <laughs> and you see the first go, "You," <laughs> and he goes, "And when I told you to not do this," and he goes, "Yes, I disobeyed. I deserve to be punished." And then we get the old walk up behind, snap of the neck, and everything from that moment on. What just watching the reactions, everyone just walks out of the room, nobody cares. Cisco just watches it happen. He, you could see it on his face that he's pained, but he's like, I'm not gonna stop this or get mad about that. I don't know, everything about the situation was so not Starfleet, and yet it was like allowed to occur.
1: Well, so, so, I guess, what are you struggling with the fact that he wasn't arrested for murder,
2: yes, Dave. How, uh, in any other instance, how is this allowed on a Star... F- if this was on a jetpacked R-ship, it would be different. This would is, it
1: not? Well, it's a joint operation, and like, and I think that Cisco, for whatever reason, is choosing to respect the fact that, you know, uh, he's in charge of the discipline of
2: his own men. He's respecting murder. Mm-hmm. He's are respecting... You, are you saying <laughs> diplomatic immunity? <laughs> I don't... I, I, it's
0: cultural well,
2: <laughs> it's a cultural murder it's like when when yeah. like when warf tried to kill kern
0: yeah
1: Ooh. I, well i think it's a little bit like i think it's a bit of this i think cisco's looking at this as a bit of a diplomatic affair too right and you know way to maybe to try to establish some kind of diplomatic ties with the dominion and i think arresting this guy would not necessarily um have a couple accomplish it uh It was, you know he told him you are responsible for your men on this mission i'm the first uh you know and so let's like but you do you do what you gotta do um
0: on this mission i'm the first
1: you know uh, cisco
0: and a metaclon have a complex relationship i find it's it's quite nice
1: it's it's it it, yeah and like just just on that note too i want to like just huge this guy who plays Omediclon, uh, Clarence William the uh, Third, he died in like he just died recently this year to, in, in June. Um, he was in like a movie called The General's Daughter. I watched many years ago. John Travolta, James Cromwell, if you guys know it, James Woods. Um, it is a fantastic movie. Uh, and he's he's like he plays like James Cromwell's like assistant guy in it. Like, he's, you know, he's like he is amazing in that movie. He's in a lot of different things. And he is um, he is great in this role. Like, yeah, like the, him and, in the him and him and Brooks, well.
0: mod squad. I think he might have been in that.
1: Yeah, he was in Reindeer Games and Half Baked and different Ooh. things. But um,
2: he was in Purple Rain. He played his father.
0: Oh, oh yeah, and oh, Half Baked. Oh, oh, he was Samson.
2: Right. yeah <laughs>
1: he was the dad in purple rain yeah
2: yeah yeah <laughs> so purple rain isn't the best example of like acting you know performances so we can you know
1: we can we can move on yeah but he's general's that. daughter he's much better than that
2: right hey he's a great performance i'm not saying it's not uh, what my question was though was how is this allowed if this was any other species at any other point this would not be condoned. If this was on a Picard ship, I don't think if the Klingon snapped a neck right in front of him to discipline somebody like Gowron went up behind Martok and snapped his neck. I don't think Picard would be okay with that. He was disgusted
1: that he didn't kill Worf. He's not like, Picard. You
2: know? Right, he's uh, not Picard. No, but I, and I, I do think that there are some things true about Cisco, which what you brought up, Dave, was which is he is willing to let some people die
1: you, Jeff, this is the guy who's going to tell Worf, "Why don't you just kill Galron?
2: That's going to yeah. solve all these problems." He's also the guy that lets Garrick kill a Romulan ambassador to bring a whole species into a war. <laughs> you know, yeah, like that's Cisco. That's Cisco. He's he's know, a whole
1: He's so holy.
2: He's very <laughs> religious. You would think, by the way that we're describing him, that he would be fine with being a part of Section Thirty-One. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. No,
0: he's he gets a but people think he's a bit more crazy than he actually is he's 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 a he's a he's all about the uniform he's 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 a practical person yeah he's just practical and and agile
2: yeah you betrayed your uniform
0: in his strategy and morality and things he's right is there something to be said
2: that what that clip you displayed dave um you betrayed your uniform is going through his head because when we last left these days nine last week. eddington had just betrayed Cisco. Yes, is, is this? Did, no, they never bring it up in this episode, and it's like which I kind of <laughs> wish they did at one point. But is something going through Cisco's head where he's like, you know what? I got bigger things in my brain than having to arrest these Gemidar right now. We have a mission to do, and there's a gateway to blow up, and you know we got things to do. There's only six Gemidar to
1: start here. The one that looked like he wanted to kill Worf he kind of takes out so i think that cisco's okay with this guy killing him
2: you know I think he is too but okay so the conversation they have is a really really fascinating like like yeah you're right he gets mad at him for not killing wharf and then cisco says a great thing where he's like if i had killed wharf my wow. my entire crew would not respect me or follow me and i wouldn't blame them and a dead you know, man can't learn from his mistakes yeah and he says you are weak uh, you should die in his place, you know? And he's like, I will kill you when this mission's over. Uh, you know, nice seeing you. Good day, sir. You know? <laughs> um, and I, I don't know. Everything, like, just the fact that everyone leaves the room, and then Cisco's left there with the dead Jebedar on the, on the ground, and he's just like, okay, somebody clean this up. You know? <laughs> There's just so many things about this. Jamil. It's, it's Cisco's the only one left, so who is he telling? He's, <laughs> he's yeah, just at I just want to point out
1: something too here, Jeff. That Bashir's not on this mission. No, yeah, he's the moral conscious. Like a lot of the people yes. who would be the moral conscious, they're not here. Kira, Kira's not here. Uh, Bashir's not here. Even like Quark.
0: Kira's cutthroat too, though. Like she's not the best moral conscious. She can be
2: if no, it's not Cardassian. She is yes. But with Kira, she would figure that especially with the amount of people that died just recently with this uh, thing, she would be like, I don't trust the Jem'Hadar at all. We could yeah, do right. this on our own. I think you're right there. I think this, there is a deliberate decision here to take Bashir out of this episode, because <laughs> there is absolutely no way that Bashir would condone what happened here on the, in 10 Ford. And at the same time, like the episode 2, when we talked about it a lot in this on this podcast, when um, Cisco fires the quantum torpedoes to poison the planet did was Bashir on that mission. I don't think he was. See, I think he strategically chooses to leave Bashir off for these missions because he <laughs> knows there's going to be some, so, some questionable decisions that need to be made. They're heading to the airlock and it's like, Hey buddy, I need you to do me a favor. Can you like go back and grab some medical supplies? We'll wait for you. I promise dude, I'm sorry, man. We couldn't wait. We had to go, but we'll get you next mission. All right? Cool. First in my class in pediatric medicine. Yeah, he
0: was first in Give class, me some of know. that biomimetic gel.
2: Yes. Yeah, it is uh, highly dangerous, especially in large quantities. Um, I'll be making
0: a protest, so how long will that take you? Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. By the
2: time you do your little protest, Bashir. uh uh, yeah so great um okay let's talk a little bit about the odo of it all in this episode odo is confronted with the fact that these people Mm. think he's a god and he's like i know i'm not and you guys are crazy people i'm no god and neither are the founders the sooner you realize that the better off you'll be he says well uh, that just tells you you do not want odo in a ghostbusters movie all right, I'm just saying. Who are you going to call? Well, if someone asks if you're God, the answer is yes. You say <laughs> yes. You, you say, say yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I am not a founder. Um. Yeah, so I, I th- all right, his whole conversation with Weiun is pretty fascinating too, where he's like, You're lying and you're not very good at it. I can tell I'm an expert in lying and all that kind of stuff that it's very fun.
0: I um, on the other hand am an expert at lies, both in telling them and in spotting them.
2: The way, you know he's what he kind of reminds me or Garrick. Wayun kind of reminds me of like like Ben Shapiro, like <laughs> where he has that like way of like quickly speaking. And, but like, like he, he goes slow and then real fast and then slow. <laughs> Whereas Ben Shapiro just goes real fast all the time. But the scenes it, do get dramatically drier in his presence. He does, th- he does find ways to kind of dry up any type of moisture there yeah. can be in his vicinity. If there's no fun to be had, you know, only from his perspective. Uh, yeah, it's very similar. Um,
0: but it's much shout out to similar. the Iconians. I like the <laughs> yes. and their gateways.
2: All right, let's talk a little bit about the gateway. Okay, so this gateway's in the Gabba quadrant. It looks like it, you know, there was a gateway to Is that Paris? Yeah, that's Paris.
1: Um What's if you remember jeff in the original episode uh in the next generation episode which Worf references in this episode uh where they found that iconian gateway and they were, that was that standoff with the romulans in that episode um that one of the places that that iconian gateway was showing was the city hall of toronto um we didn't see that pop up here but you know imagine the gem hadar at uh at uh, nathan phillips square um do you think and- they would
2: skate around
1: uh, they. I think they would. They get. They have those blades.
2: They could strap them to their feet or and they strap them around. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, hold hands and yeah, figure skating is life. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so they saw a, a hockey saying. game and a few body checks. They jump on the ice. Yeah, they're like,
2: this hockey is is great. Victory is life. Yeah, yeah. they all cheer when someone wins. I like it. Get a, I can get into this.
0: <laughs> but they're like the wait, humans carry you're... their blades on their feet. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they're using them, They have the blades of their feet, but they're not using it to to finish off their opponents.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. What
2: yeah. Is, like is it, the Iconians,
1: though. I like uh, actually Star Trek Online, which I know it's not canon, but uh, Star Trek Online does it quite a bit <laughs> with the uh, with the Iconians and like the Iconian War and like the what you know what they were up to and these gateways and different things and uh, and they were even just referenced uh, very recently on Star Trek Discovery, Jeff. Um, mm-hmm. Which I know you're a big fan
2: of. Um, we're, well, we're... I was, not we talked about this uh, a little bit after our debate nine last night, and we went through all the reasons we're, you know, well, I'm especially not a fan of DC's, um no, uh, Star Trek Discovery after about you know episode eight of season one, um, right? But they uh, just the... the Metrons, the Nasin, the surviving members of the Iconian Empire.
1: So according to Admiral Vance, there are some survivors of the Iconian Empire by the 31st century.
0: See, that's an exciting storyline, but I do not have faith in Discovery to tell that story.
2: I don't think that they're going to. I think they just referenced it. Like something, there's I don't something think there. they will either. There's nothing there, I don't think. <laughs> uh, but maybe, maybe one day I'll go back. Maybe, um, know, But, but Brun on Brun the writer's room
0: them. over at Locutors of Trek, you may hear some interesting things about the Iconians.
2: The Iconians seem quite interesting uh, with their gateways and all,
0: but nobody ever seems to use these
2: gateways. So Michael Burnham could use them. Michael okay. Burnham.
1: <laughs> well, like, you know, Discovery is a spore drive that can go anywhere. Um, I wonder if the gateways have some connection to a similar technology, because it's kind of an interesting It's an interesting it, uh, technology that the Iconians ruled their empire because they could kind of go anywhere in the galaxy or anywhere in their empire in like a blink of an eye. No ships, no no transporters. They could just kind of put uh, troops here. And and like Sisko realizes how dangerous that this technology is in the hands of a Jemadar, especially a rogue Jemadar garrison who just wants to kill everybody. And is, he's
2: like, it, is this how they got onto the station at the
0: beginning of the episode and blew up the pylon? No, the no,
2: no. It's that was
1: just a.
0: They just no, needed. They, stuff. I think they mentioned that there was a ship. It was like a, yeah, a transport a ship, but they, they, never transport ship. Yeah. they never found that
2: They never found
0: that. Well,
1: maybe, maybe they, maybe they beamed on. Maybe they, they went into the transport ship and then they used that to, to stage their attack. But I don't know how they would have got off the station and back to this place uh, without a ship. Yeah,
2: couldn't they leave the doorway open and then come back the other way?
1: Uh, well, you, if you remember in the original episode with Picard and all them, like he was able to walk through the gateway, right, and onto the. The bridge of the Romulan ship, but he couldn't like go back to where mm. he was.
2: So,
0: because there's no entry point,
2: yeah, hmm. okay. very interesting. Um, the gateway stuff seemed inconsequential to the rest of the story, it seemed just like something they had to go blow up. It really didn't seem to matter, which I think was a uh, you know opportunity missed here in this episode. I think they're gonna could have done something kind of cool with that, where like one of the Jemadar gets thrown into the gateway now, he's on Kronos or something, they gotta deal with that. You know, that would have been fun. Um, sure. That, two-parter episode, if it was. like Because right. you wouldn't want to just do something like that, and that's it. You'd want some follow-up or some kind of or, additional portion to the story. You could do it later. Like, you could have, like, they're fighting, and a Jem'Hadar gets thrown into the gateway. And then, like, in a few episodes from now, you could be like, remember that Jem'Hadar went into that gateway? Well, he ended up on Kronos, and he's now best friends with all the Klingons. Him and Gowron are, you know. You know, you see, <laughs> <laughs> taking pictures around Klingon like <laughs> points of interest. Yeah, they're they're over a Kalus statue. They're you know, <laughs> they're, they're hanging out. Um, yeah. I don't know. I could, I would have liked it if they had done something like that. Ah,
0: yeah. It is good to see you,
2: <laughs> right. and, and he would say, "Victory is life." And then it would be just, so, I don't know. um, it didn't cross Cisco's mind at all. To use this to help out Voyager,
1: he doesn't know about Voyager,
2: not yet. No, hmm. uh, what they don't know it's missing, they know they think it's just destroyed at this point.
0: It's just assumed they know. lost, like, assumed you lost. Never know, they never know where to look for it or anything.
1: They don't find out they don't find out about Voyager being there until Andy Dick in that episode where the two EMHs, um, and that's great. That's, that's why uniforms matter.
0: <laughs> wow. gray, shoulder <laughs> gray shoulders saved Voyager.
2: Gray oh shoulders saved Voyager. The Voyager never wore gray soldiers. Gray shoulders.
0: Exactly. Well, because, yeah, because they had a problem.
2: Yeah. Where's the continuity there, Dave? <laughs> so, Caretaker, if they w- w- uh, switched over to gray uniforms, they would have been fine.
1: Well, they knew about the gray, but they decided they didn't have the schematics for the replicator, so they were to keep wearing what they were wearing. I don't know, because you see, they even have conversations like with the admirals who are wearing the new uniform. They're like, "Well, we're not going to do that." Yeah, we like. what
0: just would have been like, "You know what? I like your style. I'm sending you back." Gray shoulders. Gray shoulders. Gray shoulders. Which you
2: know, I don't know if it was the best choice. Uh, but I get why it was. Um, okay, what Jeff
0: did you guys proud though? Yesterday, he's the DB9 champion, yes.
2: Oh, yeah, yes, good. You're representing for us, Jeff. Representing. yeah. You know know what? I I made two other
0: podcasts.
2: I made a great argument for why Cisco should be mad at Picard for his wife being killed.
0: Yeah, they made me go against Cisco. (laughs) I wasn't happy about it, but I'm glad I lost. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> um yeah you know picard shouldn't have been so reckless as to have gotten assimilated that was you know uh you know <laughs> no, so funny so so, Jennifer so, didn't reckless. so reckless um okay we do see a lot of hand-to-hand comment in this episode and Worf, who is supposed to be in his quarters but is allowed to go on this way mission is pretty badass and i don't think when he's they...
0: not on duty so it's he's not, he's, no,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. No. He's
1: no, so no, no, no time in the mess hall, singing songs or talking about songs or whatever O'Brien talks about or prune juice. He gets none of it. He gets he's uh, like even that one part where Wharf comes to warn him. He's like, I heard that guy wants to kill you. And he's like, I told you to go to your quarters. And he's like, well, if you die, I will avenge you. He's like, great. But <laughs> how did you how did you find out? And he's like, you told Dax.
0: You told Commander Dax. <laughs> <laughs> That's my, my favorite part of that scene is, though, it's just like because Worf sometimes gets overwhelmed by like a Klingon thought every now and then. So he's like, done talking to Cisco and he just goes. Because <laughs> he has like a Klingon thought. And then he has to tell Disco. he's just like, but if he does kill you, rest <laughs> assured he will not live to boast about it yes. but he's super serious because that's the klingon uh, thing he thought about and he's just like actually i should say this this is important
2: i love, <laughs> this, I love this, this guy just goes that's very reassuring <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. yeah, he's like i'll still be yeah. dead but great you know uh, thank you
0: like, klingons thank you. do not surrender
2: uh, it could have yeah. been an email though could have been an email
1: I think <laughs> Worf, Worf is great in this episode. I think this is where where Worf as the character is going. This is why I came to d Space Nine for missions like this. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. like where uh, especially when they get down there and there's like the um, the gateway prevents any phasers from working, so it's all it's all swords yes. and whatever. And he's just right. like perfect. You yeah. know, he even takes off the baldric. He just uh, he's so he can be a little bit faster.
2: Yeah, no, he he like they they really like if they had done this today, he would have been even more impressive than he is. He's very impressive, but like everyone else is like holding their own and stuff. Where but and he it's he's fun to watch because he just like he's carrying people at the same time. Well, he wears Odo.
1: He wears Odo as a backpack, literally, um, for a big part of this, and then he throws the. He's like, that's enough. We're in the backpack, and he throws the backpack, and it turns into Odo, and then he just swats three Jemadar with his tentacles or whatever, and
2: he's like, hmm, mm, mm, that's how Odo does it. You know, and you're like, wouldn't there like you be, could have more. Wouldn't there be like a, a, Gimli and, um, um, you know, bow and arrow dude from Lord of the Rings, where they start counting how many Jemadar they kill?
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Like, it's their kind neck of crazy bones? to me
1: that, that how, uh, cause what, there's like maybe 10, 15 Starfleet officers and, only five jemadar, right? Um, so it's like twenty against one hundred and fifty here in this whole battle.
0: Wonderful odds. It's funny how you guys mentioned how like they just sort of like conveniently leave Bashir out of things. That's the way I felt about Odo in this episode. It's just like, because whenever they don't really have the CGI budget to do anything with him, they just make him a backpack or something. And like, (laughs) but it's just like, he could have been really helpful this whole time if he wasn't a backpack. And why did he need to be a backpack? You could just be like,
1: Jemadar. I am a god! Yeah. You know? Pretty much.
2: Well, actually, they're
0: rebelling against the founder, so... (laughs)
2: <laughs> right, they they do bring that up. Like why don't you just
1: get the founders oh. to give them a talking to and they said that won't
0: work. But he's uh, in a fight, he's good in a fight.
2: Yeah, but he's also plan B. Let's say people get killed. He can, you know, you know, you know, sneak and like, you know, infiltrate and destroy. Some some guy named Ramirez did get killed and Cisco looked upset yeah, about, Ramirez. Him for about 2 seconds over oh, Ramirez. 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 Um, yeah, they seem, have, they seem to have a lot of Spanish guys that are expendable. You know, they have Martinez, God. they have Ramirez, Munez. yeah, Munez, Munez. Um, yeah. all the Latino, <laughs> you could tell it's almost like this show was shot in California. Uh, <laughs> almost they're like, We need a transfer from d 9 right now. <laughs> it ain't looking good. We just left another one for the club,
0: the new red shirts, yeah. Um, yeah,
2: because
1: because I think what's interesting here is like in that conversation that happens earlier in engineering and right into this fight um, that like Riker wouldn't have let Picard go on this mission. Right. But Worf's like, I think you should stay on the ship. And he's like, you don't expect I'm going to do it. He's like, nope, I don't. I just have to say it
2: because that's my job
1: you know um mm-hmm. and i think and it so... was
2: like they're gonna go on a cool mission where they're gonna kill some people and i want to be there so i gotta tell
0: cisco like <laughs> you're right cisco
2: like what's to hear. david has a Cisco's great um, leader
0: of men he leads from the front
2: he has a great observation of warf where he's like yeah he has these klingon thoughts and you're right he does he looks like off to the side and he goes hmm. and like I, I think you're right. Like that's like an odd, like a, a deliberate choice by Michael Dorn to be like such a good. What would Klingon actor. Worf think about this? <laughs> you know, like and be confused whether or not the human will understand what he's going to say. You know, so so Jeff, are you saying that there is like a Klingon angel on one side of <laughs> yes. his shoulder and a human yes.
0: angel on the other? Yes. <laughs> that is precisely. Right. That's a good analogy. Okay. They should, imagine they did a scene. I like, am not only a Klingon warrior. <laughs> just, I'm a, a lower deck, maybe.
2: Lower yeah. <laughs> could do it. They could get away with it for sure. <laughs> um. Oh. Yeah. They should just like literally like the writers' room should just be right here, honestly, because there's just so much wonderful content that we're providing to them.
1: Yeah. It's, absolutely. Today Um,
0: is a good day to die. Can can he not have breakfast first? I mean, (laughs) come on, that'd be funny. I like that.
2: Um, yeah. So you know, for this yeah, so for this episode here, um, you know, is there anything kind of else you guys want to bring up that I've I've kind of left out? Um, you know, planting seeds about um Odo and um, um. was it Yagu, uh, Yagu, Wagu, Weyun, Sorry, <laughs> Wagu. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know where we get further emphasis on yes, Odo feels a particular duty to the Bajorans, and you know he has his—he he loves his life in the in a sense of he does not want to disrupt it, but at the same time there is a longing that's there deep down that is not necessarily acknowledging that he still wants to be a part with the uh, the founders. And that's, that's a little, I think that's, that was a great touch. That scene that was there. That's um, well, yeah. he
1: admitted that in season three, when like Garrick was torturing him with that device and everything else. And so we, as the audience, we kind of know this, but he's just like, gotta, but that was how long ago you got to remind the audience a little bit. You gotta, you gotta put in the forefront of their minds. Don't forget, in a couple episodes from now, they're going to poison him with a with a disease to make him come back, so they can turn him into a solid, yeah. Um, and put him through this penance, right? And so, like, I don't like. It was interesting to see this um this conversation with between Wayoon, this Wayoon, and Odo. Uh, you know, it it sets up a lot of other conversations that come after it. You know, so I think it, it it's a worthwhile scene. If it had just been a one off, all I would have really done is set up what comes up in a few episodes, mm-hmm. right? If, but,
2: well, it's even like a, it goes on for a few seasons, because like when the um, Dominion has control of Duse Ace 9 and Odo's there, there's a lot of this similar thing. It's like, so you'll do what I ask? He's like, uh, you know, I live to serve, you know, like there's a lot of those back and forth between Wayun and Odo that occur for many, many scenes going forward that happened in this episode. He's
1: like Odo. Oh, no. He's like, I know. I honor you with my presence. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> mm. <laughs> I have to admit, I find it somewhat disturbing seeing you working for these Federation people.
2: He sounds a little bit like Agent Smith too, it. like that deep sniff, like he's he's smelling, like the humanity. He's like He's
0: humans.
2: You're right. There, I do think there is something to be said that um, maybe Jeffrey Combs was ahead of his time here with this performance. That mm-hmm. there's, and I think the writers definitely would have seen like, oh, this could be a good folly, like a good, really good um, foe for for the um, you know, as because they need a voice, you know, the Dominion. They and <laughs> yes. and, and so without Wei Yun, I, I really don't think. The Dominion would have worked the way it ends up working. I think
0: you you know know. your rebellions will only lead to punitive spiritualism. Punitive.
1: Someone got a a phone call coming in. Oh my god!
2: It's um, it's Bashir. He's saying Cisco. How could
1: you not arrest that guy, Cisco, for the murder in the mess hall? There
2: was many witnesses. O'Brien called me. O'Brien was there, and he said, "You know." I don't know. They're, we say he told me when we're playing darts. Uh, Jim had okay. sort of look like Cardassians. O'Brien doesn't care. Yeah, they're you're close enough to a Cardi. that you know, yeah. He's not a fan. Okay, uh, I think we're ready to move over into some fun facts, Dave. Uh, are you ready for some fun facts? Am I ever? Okay, well, as previously mentioned, this is the first appearance of Weiyun. Uh, The plot reveals that the Dominion has been in existence for over 2,000 years, which would put its emergence around the 4th century A.D.
0: The Dominion has endured for 2,000 years and will continue to endure long after the Federation has crumbled into dust. 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 So
2: foreshadowing um, the founders showing up in Discovery.
1: That's right. They might, yeah.
2: yeah. Oh, like, there's a lot of things we haven't seen yet in Discovery. Uh, this episode featured the second Iconian gateway after its in- introduction in The Contagion uh, in Next Gen. Um, some of the places shown in the Iconian gateways are Starfleet Command in Paris and Bajor. And I also yeah. noticed Cronus was shown. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, okay, this episode was directed by Guess Who? LeVar Burton. Yeah, yeah but he's not detecting any leaks. Because this episode was perfect. No leaks in this episode. No. It was his fifth Deep Space Nine episode overall, and the first of five in Gem Hadar related episodes, which he directed. So I think uh, Jody Jordy uh, and Larvar Burton really enjoyed the Gem Hadar as a uh, storyline device. Yes, all right, yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Cromes has the decision. So he was of portraying...
0: sick and like putting people into the makeup chair.
2: Yeah, especially Jeffrey Combs. Uh, yeah, he's played eight different characters on Star Trek series. He played uh, the roles of Brunt, Wayun, Shran, T-Ron, Kevin McCulkey, Pank, Krem, uh, Hall of a Hollywood suite guest. He's one of five actors to play seven or more different characters in the Star Trek franchise. The others being a bunch of guys that you already know. And coincidentally,
0: F-C-A.
2: Combs has appeared on Star Trek with all four of the actors that have also done those things. Okay. We know enough about Jeffrey Combs. He's a Star Trek rock star. Um, Jeffrey Combs and Brian Thompson. Tomontorox is Tomontorax,
0: in a lot of characters too. Yeah. Tomontorax
2: Brian Thompson later appeared in Babel 1, which was uh, an, an Enterprise episode. Another uh, Enterprise episode, United and the Anar. And together, he playing Commander Shran and Admiral Valdor, respectively. So he, he's he been in you're right, a bunch of Enterprise stuff.
0: Another uh, DS9 episode, too. He was one of the Dozi.
2: Oh, cool. Uh, oh, he's in, he's in
1: that one um, where, like, Riker goes on that exchange mission, right? Like, the Klingon exchange mission way back when. Yeah, he's in that episode. Matter of Honor. And he was one of the... Oh, he was one of, like, those... Doji guys like earlier a couple of seasons ago.
2: Like oh he I played Shao Kahn.
0: Like a half a red face and half a white Yeah, yeah, like the
1: weird red face, and then like he was selling tulaberry wine to Quark and all yeah.
0: that. He's
2: probably most famous yep. for playing Shao, Shao Kahn in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. He was yep. also the punk in the in the oh, original yeah. Terminator movie. Yep. Uh, cool. He's a friends with, with yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger. God, never put that together. Oh, yeah? Cool. Yeah. Uh, okay, this episode was filmed after The Quickening, but it aired the week before, which I think is our next It was
1: episode. filmed before? Yeah. Or, sorry, uh,
2: it was filmed after The Quickening, but it airs the huh. week before. So, so that next
0: week's that, episode was filmed first. So rest. that redeems what I said last week, because last week I said that Z-All was in the very next episode, and that's why they had her plays the all but she's in the quickening so it does make sense there you go she, she did a double week episodes yeah yeah she was there for two weeks uh
2: the name of clarence william the third's character omet may be a reference Ometiklan. to medical um r- uh, maybe a reference to robinson crusoe on mars from 1964 and or one of the mayan languages in arkham Actor Victor London drew much of his character's alien language from Mayan, and Ometi Kalan was a term very his character used for a friend. They actually kind of like I noticed that with the Gemidar mm. that their names do sound very Mayan. How so. do you think they get their names? Mm. I don't know. No, do You think like there's like some older Gemidar says, You are a
1: Metaclan. That's why I, that's gonna, you know, you're only two days old, but that's what I'm gonna call you.
0: I bet you Avorta does it. The yeah, Vorta, or they have a generator. Yeah,
2: they have Just like a name generator comes yeah. up.
0: The Vorta name guy, maybe a Tiggy Pops character. <laughs> 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 All
2: right. Um. Okay. So Worf says he was part of a mission that discovered the Iconian gateways. This is true. In the Contagion, the three characters who beamed down to Iconia were Picard, Data, and Worf. Uh, Cool. Uh, Some of the locations displayed in the Okinian Gateway include Starfleet headquarters in San Francisco, the Federation President's Office in Paris, two different regions of Bajor, and the exterior shot of the Tau Cigna 5 colony from uh, a next-gen episode called the Ensigns of Command. Ooh.
1: Just in case they want to go there. Yep. Well,
2: they, had good episode like that. they had it in stock. Okay. Dave, there's a 47 reference in this oh, episode. Oh, goody. You want to hear it? Yes, of course. Cisco gives his briefing in front of a display of tactical scan which reads
0: 047. Of course. Of course it does. I thought of a 47 reference from one of the Star Trek movies today. Uh,
2: (laughs) Okay, so uh, your suspicions were correct, guys. This is the last fun fact. Weyoun was originally written to be a one-shot character and is killed accordingly, but... Then the writers were so impressed with his performance that they made the character a recurring villain, deciding that the Vorta are now clones and can be replaced when killed.
1: It's the beauty mm. when you're inventing a brand new species, you can invent whatever you want about them as you go.
2: That's yep. That's the beauty of Star Trek. And the canon holds true. All right. That's it. Oh, that's it. He said his last one.
1: All right, that's it. All right, let's go over to the ratings. Uh, and let's rate this episode to the death, Jeff. Um, I got
2: an 8.4. Okay, uh,
1: I'm going
2: 9.7. Jeez, that's high. It's um, be- I'll give it an 8.6.
1: So, Kevin, are under the weather tonight? Not with us. Kevin?
0: I'll give it an eight point five. Oh, in between. Commander.
1: Commander. Commander. Commander.
0: <clears throat> All right, so that
1: averages at an eight point eight, Jeff. So, uh, um, we liked it a little bit better than last
2: week. Not well, until Kevin nasty, you know. Yeah, like, they'll yeah. knock it. They'll knock it down. Well, Kevin will br- bruise it up. He he loves this episode.
1: So uh, pretty good, I'd say. Um, And then we got The Quickening next week, right, Jeff?
2: Yeah, The Quickening, which uh, not to be confused with The Reckoning. You don't want to confuse it with that episode. The Quickening is about Bashir trying to help out a planet in the grips of a Dominion Engineer plague that guarantees a painful death. And directed by René Auberjonois.
1: And not to be confused with The Quickening, which is referenced in Highlander, the series.
2: Or Highlander 2. There can be more than one. The Quickening.
1: They reference the Quickening in, in
2: well, they referenced it in the first one actually too. Well,
1: the the name of the movie is called Highlander 2, The Quickening. But that movie's terrible. It and, is terrible, but
2: <laughs> it's yeah. in the title. I'm like, yeah. It's, I feel
0: like a franchise whose like motto is "There can be only one" should never get sequels.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, that's probably that's probably uh, they should not have made more than one. Uh, actually, well, I like the series. I like the yeah. series in the first movie, and I like Endgame. Mm and that's about it yeah okay yeah. so that's that's uh that's to the death and okay so let's to the de-
2: join us next week here on Tuesdays night at nine ish where we will be covering the quickening as for motion. but before we get to that we just want to let you guys know what we got coming up here on live long and Podcast and supermater bros podcasting uh and to Track and Trivial debates and all sorts of other things dave what do we got
1: well on Monday Nights Jeff we have uh, our new podcast the Star Trek Enterprise podcast where you can watch uh, Jody Simpson Adam Woodward and Kevin Millard and myself or listen to it listen to us talk about every episode of Star Trek Enterprise in order much like we do here on D Space Nine at nine ish that's called Enterprise at eight or eight a um and uh we just we covered last night the episode strange new world Next week we we'll be talking about the the episode Unexpected, where Trip gets pregnant. Isn't that weird? Um, and then um, on we just well, I booked a seat just... for
0: episode twelve with Jody huh? today. I booked a seat for episode twelve.
1: Oh, why? What's that one?
0: My favorite Hoshi episode, and I'm sick of you guys. It's Hoshi bashing.
2: I he's the one bashing Senate Hoshi. Hoshi state, not me?
0: No, it's it's, it's mostly Jody. But it's mostly Jody. I'm coming to defend. I'm coming to defend the best Hoshis Hoshi
2: is it. evil Hoshi.
0: Well, it is, no, that's it's in true. this episode, it's in evil episode Hoshi. 12. Silent uh, I enemy.
2: like
1: the little sluggo, it's me, that's Hoshi. Um, and then, um, like the also, we just uh, well, we just wrapped uh, Jeff Star Trek Radio Theater, our second season. We finished off with the Star Trek uh, first contact uh, movie. Um, which uh, you know we just did on Sunday night. We're gonna edit this down into a final version that will get posted to our audio feed over the holidays. But uh, check that out. The live version is available on YouTube and Facebook and our Twitch stream if you want to listen to those. Uh, plus, all like we did twenty episodes of Star Trek Radio Theater in twenty twenty one. Um, so, uh, lots to to go back and listen to where we read like the scripts and everything else. Plus on, uh, this Thursday, we're going to be talking about the newest episode of Star Trek discovery, the sixth episode, uh, titled, um, uh, stormy weather, I believe. And, uh, what's going on with the DMA. We're going to find out and, and everything else going on in the 31st century, uh, I think I know, I know. There's a lot of cats that the, the cat grudge is going to be featured heavily in this next movie or this next episode. Plus, Star Trek Prodigy right now on ho, on ho, hiatus. Spock.
0: Yeah, Spock a grudge versus Spock.
1: Uh, it's a different cat though. It's a bigger cat. Uh, so, Star Trek uh, Star Trek Prodigy. Uh, we've been covering that whole first season. Davin Skillhorn, uh who's here with us tonight, as well as Jessica Chan. Uh, we covered the first four or five episodes. We're going to be coming back in January when that show picks up again um but right now it's on hiatus so check out if you haven't seen discovery yet and you want to hear what some people thought about it check it out watch our podcast catching to our up is not that uh,
0: not a long
1: road it's not a Do long you know road. When in
0: january that's coming back
1: i think it's re- it's pretty early i think it's like january 6th uh, oh, right so right. it's coming up soon um uh, and then Star Trek Lower Decks, we covered that whole second season. Uh, you know, I did that with Jeff and Jamil and uh, and some others and, uh, and Daven as well. He was there too. Um, and mm-hmm. so lots going on in the Star Trek. Live long in podcast feeds. You should also check out Davin's Star Trek podcast, which we alluded to a few times. The uh the locutors of Trek, uh, which Jeff was on just last night on debate nine, doing his D- Star Trek debate segment. Champion, standing champion,
2: Don't to brag.
0: Champion Jeff Mater.
2: Yeah,
1: you should also check out Davin's other podcast, X Rated, which he does on Thursdays, where he covers the X Men, the animated series. Um, except for this and- week,
0: Christmas break. <laughs> <laughs>
1: except for- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except so check that out. He's got that uh, both of those podcasts. We um, we also have Super Mader Brothers podcasting. That's our channel where we talk about things not related to Star Trek, uh, movies and TVs primarily. We just talked about Spider Man: No Way Home for uh many hours we talked about that was about three hour podcast just reacting to that film jeffy you seen that yet
2: i have not we're gonna go see it tomorrow like
1: we'll you see it tomorrow
2: but what i would like to do dave if you ever if any of you guys get a chance to around to watching the shrink next door i would be very interested in covering that show is that the one with will, will Ferrell and paul redd yeah uh jane
1: is out on that show for some reason i don't know why did
2: she listen huh. to the podcast i don't know there's a podcast too. That's what it came from. That's kind of why I want to cover it because okay. I had listened to the podcast last couple of days and it's great. Plus, season
1: uh, Survivor, season 41, we just wrapped. We covered every episode of that. Jamil and Jeff and I, uh, Daryl Clark, who was in a couple episodes too. You should check out that. We talked about Big Brother this year. We talked about all the different Marvel properties. We talked about the serpent um what so much going on at super Mater brothers podcasting oh the beatles we just talked about the beatles get back as well doing that whole series that got a lot of hits um and then Hawkeye's we also have coming soon yeah then we also have trivial debates our monthly show where we argue about movie tv sports in like a game show f- format where people can win points and different things. davin's gonna be competing my son Amon's gonna be competing adam woodward uh also um i think uh, uh, we lost we lost uh, Davin on that note, but uh, that will be next Monday, December twenty seventh at eleven a.m. live. You can watch, you can listen, or watch to that show, or listen to it afterwards. Uh, Trivial debates, uh, check that out as well. And I think that's everything. You should check out uh, my son's podcast, "Let's Talk About Fighting Games" uh, by uh, Sam Jerka, or, um, and uh, you, they're, they just put up a new episode. The, it's called the Bonus EP One posted on december 19th so check that out
2: okay all right is that it uh, we're, we're now done ready to wrap up as Emil J- is giving the wrap-up signal so thank you all for joining us here on deep space night Nine at Ish. i have been your host tomentorox joined as always by a great panel here and join us next week and for now we say live long and podcast
1: oh yeah uh i should probably have a clip to play shouldn't i
2: oh, damn it uh what's uh
1: that was for questioning our loyalty oh thank you